you're the outlier here. I, I guess, but I'm not a rye drinker, so <laughs> folks, don't don't, uh, don't listen to me when it comes to this. We, we'll have if we have a weeded podcast uh, just on weeders, you know. I don't know why people call it weeders. It's like you're a sissy or something. <laughs> but, this I, is I bet that's I such line, a Texas guy comment, right? Weeders, there. sissy. <laughs> I, I'd line up a hundred guys, and they would all say, "I'll drink a bottle of Pappies over anything else." So I'll, I'll stick to that. You know, I'm no sissy. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to another trip down the bourbon road with your hosts, Jim and Mike. So grab a glass of your favorite bourbon and kick back. And we are back. It's a new week. We've got a great show for you. And this is something we've been trying to work out for some time. So we had the guys on from the Bourbon Lens podcast. And we've been talking about getting together around a bonfire in the backyard and doing a joint podcast. Well, the time finally came. We were able to get together. Now, we didn't do it by the fire. It was 100 degrees outside. And we decided to drink cast drink whiskeys. So we just felt like combination of the two not a good choice so we moved inside and uh got down to business with these guys now michael and scott their third member jake was out of town uh these guys came over and they brought a few rides themselves and we had a number of them here and we lined them all up on the table we must add about 12 cast drink rides on the table and uh we didn't necessarily pick what we thought were the best of the 12 we picked what we thought were the most interesting of the 12. So we passed over a, a handy and we passed over a few others, but picked five really good ones. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy the show. A little bit about Michael and Scott and Jake. They're, they're f- three friends who uh, decided to kind of start a podcast, document their travels and their experiences, and to connect with new people. And I guess this is one of the ways to do it. You know, get together, drink some bourbon, And make sure you guys uh, subscribe and check out their podcast, The Bourbon Lens. It's wherever podcasts can be listened to. You'll really enjoy it. I sure do. So I hope you guys all enjoy the show. So Scott, cool experience that we're getting to do uh, today, sitting down with Jim and Mike from The Bourbon Road. I know we've been uh, listening to their podcast now for uh, quite quite some time since they started back in was it April? Yeah, we started in actually our first episode came out just late April. Started uh, we our first real episode the first of May. Yeah, yeah. So uh, both both new podcasts here, so it's kind of interesting to see. Um, you know, normally we have guests on that are uh, either Instagram followers or people in the whiskey industry. So getting to sit down and and talk with with you all who are also in the podcast industry is is really cool, and I appreciate you all having us out here. Yeah, it's really great to have you here. We're uh, we're actually in Simpsonville, Kentucky today. For anybody who's not familiar with the Bourbon Road, we uh, we Mike and I both live kind of on a I don't know, a little bit of land, not too much. You more than I, but we live out in the country here. It's a little mm-hmm. bit out of Louisville, you know, and uh, we kind of enjoy a little bit of the country life and, uh, and drink a little bourbon. Yeah, well, can't complain out here. It's a beautiful. Beautiful home, beautiful uh, scenery out here in your backyard with the horses running around and noticed you had a 
nice little sunset there in your backyard as well. So, oh darn, we should have went out and took a bourbon <laughs> shot. You know. We should have. We should have. I'd, I'd like to say we live out on that bourbon road or the bourbon trail. You know, you when we're <clears throat> you live out here in Shelby County, it's a little bit different. And then you get to see what Jim has out here on a horse farm. He's got his horses out there running around, and it is beautiful out here. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely uh, appreciate you guys having us out. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So, but tonight we're drinking bourbon, guys. Oh no, actually we're drinking rye whiskey. Yep, we're drinking whiskey. <laughs> All right, right, so, rye whiskey at that. So what do we have first? I think we got some Peerless Rye. Yeah, we do. We do. Uh, so this is a Peerless three-year rye. Um, kind of what got Peerless, if you know, got kind of got Peerless kicked off. And, uh, you know, if you listen to our most recent episode with uh, Caleb Kilburn, the master distiller, uh, he talked about how they wasn't, you know, they didn't make a choice to to go with rye. They just kind of dictated what the barrels allowed. So uh, this was their first product and had a lot of accolades uh, behind that. And I think they were the only rye whiskey to ever get on Whiskey Advocates uh, top 20 list. I think they came in at 15. So um, they're pretty proud about their product. And uh, this is a single barrel and we haven't gotten to try it yet. So so they released their first rye at two years, right? They did. So they brought it out at 24 months and then... Um, as Caleb told us that, you know, as they continue to age their barrels, they're going to figure out where their sweet spot is before they take that age statement off of there. Um, they're not going to go back to that uh, 24 month rye at all. So what they're going to produce is whenever that year is until the year that they say, Hey, this is, this is our sweet spot. This is what it is. So right now we've got the three year in the glass. We do. We have the three year in the glass right here. So it'll be my first sip of this barrel. We've had some others. We had the, uh, smoked latte. I believe it was uh, a few months back and it was pretty good. And I think it ranked in the top five of our uh, whiskey challenge that we did back in March. So uh, they make great products and I really like the brand. I like, um, you know, the story behind Caleb and I think you're going to get to go out and, and meet with him here in the next couple of weeks. And, right. I mean, what can you, what can you say about that guy? He's 28 years old and uh, I know when I was 28 years old, I wasn't as, as uh, grown up as him and mature as, as he is. And, uh, he was completely uh, gracious to, you know, have us out there and, and talk to us about whiskey and his products. And he, he's an American success story, right? He, he grew up on a dairy farm yep. and uh, how much more Americana can you get it than that? And now he's, he's 28 years old and he's a master distiller at, at, at a great distillery. Um, to me and they didn't rush their product out there for everybody they didn't say hey we got to rush this bourbon out here but we got to keep our lights on so we're gonna we're gonna put some rye whiskey out there for you now they don't they don't disclose their mash bill right that is correct yeah and uh we tried to get it out of him he just uh gave us some rough estimates but you know i'll I'll be honest i listened to your episode i was like those guys almost got him to tell his mash bill (laughs) i mean you got so close (laughs) i was so I asked the question to him. Uh, I asked him, I said, you all don't release the mash bill, correct? He said, that's correct. And I was going to ask him if, you know, right here on the Bourbon Lens podcast, if he would release it. But he did just kind of give up some information, um, you know, given rough estimates of what their mash bill is consisted of. And uh, yeah, I kind of looked at Scott because Scott was sitting in the room with me, sitting across on the couch and he wasn't able to speak on that episode. But I was looking at him like, 
Are we going to be dropping some some whiskey news right here? Yeah, I mean, I think Breaking Bourbon <clears throat> might be referencing your bod- your podcast in the review for Nashville. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, yeah, that would be okay with us. <laughs> All right. Just uh, tag us. <laughs> all right, so guys, what do you say we go ahead and uh, see what this thing's all about? Sure. So uh, first of all, this is their uh, spice tea, um, three year that, and that we've talked about this in links before with Peerless, and we love that they name each single barrel, um, put their tasting notes on the side of the bottle. So for people that might not know what they want, they can go in there and look at the bottle and kind of see what this might taste like and kind of help them. Uh, I know we, we say on our podcast all the time, if you want whiskey reviews, you need to go listen to another podcast. There's all kind of great podcasts out there that do that. And uh, so this kind of just helps pull out those flavor profiles if you don't know what you're looking for. Now, I didn't take a look at the bottle, so I don't have any clues as to... Should have brought that over here. No, that's okay. No, actually, I prefer it that way. So we'll see how close we are afterwards, right? So I get a... With Peerless, all Peerless rides, I get a real deep, rich toffee on the nose. Almost like butter. Butterscotch. Buttery caramel. I get a buttery caramel. That Werther's candy. Yeah, but the soft ones, right? Not, oh, the, not, oh, yeah. not the hard ones. The real ones. The, the real ones, yeah. It's a little floral, not too much. I mean, it's it's definitely, I mean, you're getting the oak on it. So I, Yeah, I'm getting a lot of oak right now. But the rice spice is there on the nose a little bit. For sure. Did you taste it yet? I'm going for it now. I broke form. Cheers. No, Cheers. you're fine. That mouthfeel on that is is outrageous for a three-year-old whiskey. Yeah, this one really, like, I mean, it definitely goes everywhere at once. It, like, hits the sides of your tongue and the back of your, in the back of your mouth all at once. Kind of, Randy liked to call them racetrack bourbons. You getting that pepper on the sides and oh, on yeah. the back? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd like to call that a punch in the mouth right there. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. went everywhere for sure. Yeah, Is that I a think, good thing or a bad thing? To me, that's a that's a great thing. I, You know what? This actually has a little bit of an orange, to me, has a little bit of orange flavor to it. And whenever you said that spice tea, you know, and in the wintertime, I'm, I love some spicy orange tea to drink with maybe a little bit of bourbon in there. But a little hot I can toddy. taste that. Oh, yeah. I can taste that uh, orange in there a little bit. Yeah. I've, I've always said that this is kind of like Pop Rocks uh, for your mouth. It just yeah. it, it explodes in all, you know, all aspects of your taste buds. Yeah. I mean, that's a really good rye. I, I think it's, you know, kind of that top shelf of rye for me, especially at three years old. I mean, I would definitely have this with uh, some of my better rye. It's really good. Now, this is a single barrel. It is a single barrel. They do it all that way. And my understanding is, and, and I've got no experience with this, but I've heard that they're all very different. They can be very different. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, we've only had one other one in the smoked latte. And what's kind of crazy is that their tasting profiles seem to be pretty on uh, what they have on the bottle. I know Mike just said he gets some citrus and some orange, which is the first thing on their tasting notes over there. And then that mixed in with that like summery tea that spiced summer tea with yeah. some uh, citrus and, and folks i i'm just telling you i did not look at the <laughs> bottle at all i'm just that that's my taste cheater, my taste cheater. Buds. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we actually did the peerless tour several months back and and we had a lineup of four or five different ones i think we had five different and they all had some commonalities especially with the mouthfeel they all had that that similar how it just coats the tongue but they all had those nuances and I kept going back to like cherry, 
and orange and i kept thinking of old-fashioned and i think that that was the last one that they brought out it was actually called old-fashioned it's called a manhattan the one that they just came out with the one that they just came out with okay so that was the one that they hadn't released yet but he brought out from behind the bar no i don't think so (laughs) Need to cut that part out of the. That's no problem. That was not the uh, Manhattan that we had back when we did it in February. I'm 99.999 percent positive it was called old fashioned. We're gonna have a podcast breakup on here. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I have to go back and listen. So you want that in the raw feed I send to you, so you can decide if you want to cut it or not. (laughs) You can leave it. It might be a smack in the background too, but. No, so they actually just came, the, the, they had three flavor profiles down there today. They had uh, citrus and oak, uh, this one the spice tea, and then the the uh, Manhattan, which I my wallet couldn't afford all three of them. They they do they do love their products, and uh, I, mean, I think I think Peerless gets a bad rap for that. With um, which I don't really understand because a lot of rides are two and three years old, four years old. And uh, they just seem to age a little bit quicker than the bourbons do. And, you know, they catch a, a bad rap for it, for what they're putting out for their age statement. And I think we, we asked Caleb directly, we said, what do, you, what do you say to the naysayers that say we're not going to pay that type of money for such a young product? And, you know, he said, that's fine. I mean, they're, they're going to do things the way that they want to do them. And I think you all had mentioned that earlier is that, they feel that what they're doing is the right way to make whiskey and they're not going to let anybody else dictate their pricing or what they do to their whiskey. They made the choice not to source anything. They're spending money uh, hand over fist. Uh, they, they got a lot of expenses that are going on and they think that the quality of the product that they're putting out is deserving of these 80 and hundred dollar price tags that they, that they have on their bourbon and their whiskeys. Yeah. I think we kind of, we kind of look at it from a more pragmatic view. I mean, sort of like that, you know, a distiller has to determine, you know, where his price point is in order to be profitable because he has to stay in business. So, you know, whatever it costs him to make his juice, to bottle it, to market it, to get it out there, you know, of course, by the time they sell it, you know, they're sending it out to a distributor and that distributor's then putting the price up for the retailer. So, you know, when $100 is the price tag on a shelf for a bottle, uh, that probably means that Peerless is probably getting 50 maybe. I don't know, but I'm just guessing. We didn't ask. I don't know yeah. if you would tell us. Well, I, I kind of equated to, you know, <clears throat> some people go out there and spend $100 on a bottle of wine. How many glasses are in a bottle of wine? Well, there's probably four glasses in yeah. that bottle of wine. You know, if you're sitting down with me, I probably have two glasses out of that bottle of wine. But <laughs> that's just that's just life, you know. If you want a great bottle of wine, you spend $100. But how many pours are in that peerless bottle? 20 pours, right? Um, if you went and bought it at the bar, how much is a pour going to cost you, you know, or you can sit and enjoy it at home and be responsible and, um, and drink it like we're drinking here today. Yep. And I, I don't mind paying those prices to peerless cause I like the story that they have. I like the, the underdog feel that they have the small distillery. They're the family owned. Um, you know, I, I just like everything they're doing. I re- and you know, I think our, decisions on that are a little sway because we've gotten to meet Corky and meet Caleb and two fine human beings. And you got to, there's a little bit of brand loyalty there and you got to back who you, who you like. So it's really up to the guy who walks into the liquor store, reaches for his wallet while he's looking at that bottle. He has to make that decision if he wants to pay a hundred dollars for it or not. Nobody knows 
except him, what he had to do to earn that hundred dollars. So it's, it's relative. So who are we to sit here and say it's worth it? It's not worth it for Corky and for Caleb to put a price on a bottle and for you and for I and I to decide what we want to spend on that bottle. It's kind of a personal thing. I mean, you know, a lot of people want to weigh in on it. I get that. But at the end of the day, I think they got to do what they got to do to stay in business. And we got to buy the bottles we can afford. So, yeah, absolutely. Don't go broke buying whiskey. (laughs) There's a lot of, there's a lot of great ones out there. Yeah. You know, I I was just thinking a minute ago, as I continue to sip on this, I start to pick up like a, have you guys ever had it like a whorehound candy? You know what I'm talking about? Oh yes. I'm kind of just a, just a little bit of a hint of it in there. And I don't, I'm not sure what's in a whorehound. But it kind of reminded me of it. It's almost like a root beer, almost old-fashioned like root beer like candy. A root, licorice root. Licorice yeah. root. Yeah, I think it's kind of a licorice root. Man, I look like the person here that's spent the most time in the candy shop, and I don't even know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> no, I like when you were talking with Caleb and you guys were talking about tasting <laughs> notes. That was that was uh, so classic. I love that. I, I really liked how he his take on that. I mean, he just kind of likes to keep them simple. And I think if you listen to, if you ever listen to Jimmy Russell speak about his products, he's the same way. He's looking for a broad flavor profile and he doesn't have to narrow it in. And, uh, Caleb, I, I felt like he was the same way. Caleb's, he seemed like an interesting guy, somebody that doesn't drink very much, but knows a hell of a lot about whiskey and a lot about bourbon, and a lot about tasting. He's right. just a simple guy, just simple tasting notes. He's not trying to pull a flavor out that he might've had, you know, one time ever in his life. Yeah, he's like toasted honey peach. Who toasts peaches <laughs> with honey on or whatever it yeah. was? I don't remember. Yeah, I, I don't think, think there was anything wrong with that. If it's, I guess, like Jimmy Russell says, right? It's, I'm going to speak simple to you and I'm going to tell you like it is, in my opinion. It's how I taste it. Um, and I guess when I write a review or if I taste something, that's the way I like to think is, or if, when I read a review, somebody's written, or if I listen to on a podcast that somebody's reviewing something, I want to know the simple facts about it, you know? Um, that's, that's, I think that's the way to go. Okay, Mike. So we're going to break it down here. Simple facts. What do you think about this peerless three year? Well, I'm not a big rag guy. So tonight's a, it's pretty hard for me. <laughs> <laughs> Shove some whiskey down well, my throat. We, we got four, four bourbon guys trying to talk about rise. Um, to me, I would still go with that orange tea spice. Um, you know, Whorehound was a spot on though. I tell you that, you know, he was like, where can you get whorehounds? Like, you can get them at like tractor supply or you can get them at a uh, rural King or somewhere like that. Crack- you usually don't find them in a country folk, cracker, country barrel. Folk, cracker barrel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't find them in a regular old candy store. Um, but I, I, I think that'd be it. Uh, you know, pretty good. Right. Yeah. I'm surprised at this point in my bourbon drinking or bourbon and rye drinking ventures that I haven't gotten to a peerless rye yet, but that's darn good. I mean, yeah. that's really good. Yeah. Delicious. Yeah. Whenever you guys went down there, peerless is, is kind of, is it's, it's not a distillery that's out in the country and stuff. It's, they got an expensive piece of real estate down there right on the waterfront. Right. Yeah. It's a, uh, to me, that's, probably why the bourbon cost or their, their, their juice cost what it cost. You know, they, they're down there on whiskey row really or down from whiskey row on the same road. And to me, that's, they got to put that cost somewhere. It's got to go into the bottle, right? Yeah. They're at uh 10th and main 
just north of Maine, right on the river. And uh, beautiful building inside too. Yeah, they really did a good job. And I, if I remember the story correctly, which you guys will get, um, you know, when you're when you're visiting them, I'm pretty sure they made air conditioners there for quite a long period of time. So they pretty much gutted the whole place and installed a distillery. So. It's not just, uh, it wasn't purpose built, right? So, yeah. And I mean, <clears throat> not to go back to the Caleb thing, but I think that's how he got his start with Peerless. Is he came in as an intern. He, uh, the place was in shambles. They had to do a major renovation project and, and he was there to kind of help direct everybody. And I think he was even, you know, telling people what they were doing wrong. And he's some, at the time, I'm sure probably 22 years old or something like that. And, uh, trying to tell all these construction workers how to do their job and they they seem to love him smart guy worked out for him good absolutely yeah all right okay so we have uh filled our glasses here and uh, we've got kentucky owl batch one rye have you guys had this before batch two batch two yeah i've only only had the second batch mike never never had it before that's but, right. You're not a rye guy, so he's venturing into rye. This is forcing me. I can remember standing in line at Total Wine in the dead of winter. It must have been five degrees outside, waiting on a lottery or a whatever it was. And the guy next to us in line had batch one and batch two with him, and we were sitting in our lawn chairs just shivering. <laughs> <laughs> and he pulls out Kentucky Owl one and two. And he said, "You guys ever have this?" And we hadn't had it before. And uh, that's where I got my introduction to it. It's warmed me right up. Yeah, I imagine. So we've got Kentucky Owl Rye Batch 1. And Batch 1, I don't remember exactly when this was released, but Batch 1 is 110.6 proof. And, uh, of course, this is Dixon Deadman's. Actually, Dixon Deadman, and uh, at that time, he was with the Carters, right? The uh, Mark and Sherry Carter. They had kind of a collaboration on this. And uh, they were on here too, right? Yeah, we had them on. It was early on, early episode five or six or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, but uh, yeah, actually, Sherry Carter designed this label. Beautiful label. Yeah. Kind of looks like the E.H. Uh, e. Taylor bottle. Yeah. Yeah. What's it, what's it say? The wise man's whiskey or the wise man's rye? The wise man's rye. There's some, Kentucky there's some branding out. for you right there, right? Kentucky straight rye whiskey, aged 11 years. It's a small batch, hand uh, blended by Dixon Deadman. And uh, it says bottled in Bardstown, Kentucky. And uh, I guess the Kentucky Owl brand was established in 1879 back with his, I don't know, his grandfather, great-grandfather, somebody like that. So trying to bring back a historic brand, a lot like uh, Kentucky Peerless. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I I ran out of batch one and I had to get me another bottle and we just opened this. So this is a fresh pour. This is a neck pour, but I'm sure it's going to be great. Guys, why don't we try it? Sure. Cheers. 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 Man, it's got another, it's another one with a great mouthfeel on it, on the oiliness, but the, uh, I get like this deep, deep, rich caramel. I'm getting a lot more heat on this one. Yeah, it's definitely hotter. Now, this is uh, uh, proof-wise. I don't know if I mentioned this or not. 110.6. So what was the what was the peerless at? I think it was around 110, 111. Around so about the yeah. same. Yeah. I do get that spice on the back, but on the on the front, I get that rich sweetness from 
which is kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm definitely getting a nice sweetness. It's got a, uh, I want to say citrus, but not orange. I don't know. It's, it's hard for me to nail down particular things like that, but, uh, but it's, can, it's more candy. I think. Yep. I would agree with that. Almost like those uh, sugar-coated uh, orange slices. You get uh, those gummies. Yeah, yeah. You get a little bit of mocha in there. I'm still over here mesmerized that I'm drinking rye whiskey tonight. I, know, I was going to ask Mike, the, <laughs> the weeded bourbon guy, what does he think about it? <clears throat> well, I think you're you're right spot on about that. When it first hits your mouth, it's still kind of oily and a um, little bit of cinnamon to it. But then... Bam! You get that on the back end. You get that that pop, that spice. You know, mm-hmm. so not not bad. So a little bit of clove, a little bit of uh, cedar or evergreen. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just sitting here seeing <laughs> you chew on some some, some cedar. <laughs> Mike's face when he said evergreen was was great. Evergreen gum, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, you know, I, I'm a big man. I just take myself an axe and go chop myself down a cedar tree and start chewing on it to get myself that rye yeah. whiskey. <laughs> I don't know. What do you th- what do you think about this, Scott? You don't drink much rye either, especially um, at the cast strength, the the one ten. I think it's it's got a lot of alcohol for me, and and it could be the spiciness, the peppery peppery notes that I'm confusing uh with proof point but i mean overall it's it's still got that sweetness as well but it's it's still there the spice is still there um did you guys notice the legs on the glass i mean it's just like streaked it's still starting still forming yeah yeah so this is a this is a viscous liquid Mm -hmm. yeah it's beautiful i like it thank you it's got a great color to it too that dark amberness so let me ask you some questions, I guess. Uh, so what you just recently started in podcasting. We kind of went through this road recently, too. We're coming up on our one year as of September 28th. And I think really starting to just now grow our channel. But what made you all want to start getting into this podcast world and the bourbon world? And where do you want where do you see yourself going with it? I think probably what got me started was I have a really good friend. His name is uh, Jason Calori. He runs the um, Mash and Drum Whiskey Room on YouTube. And I had him down here uh, on a visit. And uh, and it just seemed like, you know, that's something I wanted to be involved in. But I didn't want to go through all the trouble of uh, the video and all the, you know, the stuff having a set and you know all that kind of stuff i just wanted to drink whiskey with people and talk about their story and that's kind of what got me started i i I knew that it was a different world in podcasts than it is i mean youtube's kind of a it's a different animal you know i mean what what caused you guys to go podcast rather than uh video blogging yeah i don't know i think from the from the beginning when michael came to me it's probably a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. He said, we should start a podcast. And it was really when the podcasting thing was just ramping up. A lot of new podcasts were coming out and, um, I'd been listening to podcasts and I was like, well, I'll give it some thought. And then he came back to me three, four months later and was like, we should really do a podcast. Like it was the first time he had introduced me to the idea. And I was like, we talked about this 
and then I kind of just wanted to challenge him and said, let's do it. And then we just dove in and I was like, well, we got to start doing this. And we started planning and made lists and um, really didn't even consider, I think, video. No, it. Yeah, I don't, I don't really have a great answer as to why we didn't do video. I think, I think as well, like you said, having to create a, a podcast or a video studio and, you know, put yourself out there. And, you know, this was actually our first time really putting ourselves out there in the public. We have, we've never done anything like this. We've never done podcasting or created a website or had social media pages to, you know, p- put our stuff out there. And um, that was kind of, you know, new for us. And I just wanted to, I was just, I was literally driving to work one day. I remember exactly where I was. I was driving to work, going across the East End Bridge, listening to a podcast. I don't even think it was bourbon related. It was something about sports. And it was just a couple of guys sitting around talking about whatever they wanted to talking about sports. And uh, I got to work and I'm no longer in this job anymore, but I really didn't like the job. And I was in a cubicle all day and working eight to five and I just kind of started thinking and I looked over at the guy sits in the cubicle next to me. I was like, I think I'm, I think I'm going to start a podcast. He was like, about what? I was like, I don't really know, but I just want to get my friends together. And, you know, I was starting to get into whiskey and uh, I said, we'll, we'll call it the bourbon lens. We'll just sit around. We, we really didn't start out to be a bourbon specific podcast. We just wanted, I, or at least I just wanted to get with my friends and drink whiskey. And we talk about community events, bourbon, sports, politics, whatever. And then it just kind of kept morphing into this, well, let's learn some more about bourbon. Let's learn some more about the whiskey industry. And then really what kept us really going, at least for me, was the inclusiveness of the bourbon community. Right. I know we get a lot of people that come in from uh, out of town that reach out to us. on we're, we're, Our biggest social media platform for us that we engage with is in Instagram. Yeah. And whenever people come in from out of town, they uh, shoot us a message and they're like, hey, we're going to be in town in Louisville for the weekend or whatever. Uh, do you all want to go, go meet up? And we've done that, you know, several times now and gotten to meet really good people. I mean, we've never really met anybody that's we haven't liked or anybody that's negative in the bourbon community. And I think that's just the beauty of it. And uh, we had a guy who lives out in Utah. His name is Nick from neat and Pete on Instagram. And we had, we had done a, a tour. It might've been the peerless tour that we did. Cause that was one of our first episodes. I think it was in the top five or the first five that we did. And he was, he reached out to us and said, Hey, I really like the podcast because it gave me a glimpse into something that I'm not able to go and, and, and visit or see. So that kind of, kind of steered us more where we were going to get away from all the other stuff that we were doing. Cause it really didn't make sense kind of fit in and it was kind of awkward. So we were really just started streamlining lining more on the bourbon and the whiskey industry. And, um, you know, we talked about this earlier, but we recently went and sat down with peerless and, and that was really cool and kind of opened our eyes to, we want to do more interviews with other people and hear their stories and, and learn from, from them, you know, for me, and I I don't know if Scott might have a different opinion on this, but learning and collecting all the bourbons and the, and the whiskeys that I can really isn't my, my thing. And what I really, set out to do it's more about the experience that you have with other people right um you know we just had a couple that uh a husband and wife that came down and visited us uh, a week or two ago and we went out and got drinks with them and you know it's just fun just getting to sit down and, and share their ex- not even whiskey experiences just life experiences and um i don't know it's just been really fun it's been a, a learning curve and 
something that I've I've enjoyed along the way, and we're hitting our one year here uh, in a couple of weeks, and I think we're really looking to change our channel and continue on. That's good. Yeah, we really enjoy listening to your channel. We have a thank you. Yeah, you guys got a great show, and uh, you know I think the format's good, and the fact that you're changing it up a little bit, you're just you know you're just following your dream. You're just doing what you think is right, and you know we've got some changes I think that we want to do, but mm-hmm. you know we are a little bit more about getting that story out of the person that we're talking to. So we try to do as many interviews as possible. They don't necessarily have to be bourbon people. In fact, many cases they're, you know, chefs or comedians or, you know, whatever musicians. We have a lot of different people on, but there's that underlying theme of bourbon there. Yeah. They've got to be an enthusiast. You know, they got to like bourbon for one reason or another. And we're always trying to grab that story out of that person and, and get them to tell. That's what I like, sitting and talking about a story with somebody over over a poor. Man, I, I think there's nothing better than to hear somebody's life story or how they got into bourbon. Or, um, I just I just like hearing that story. You know, I could sit in a shop and you know talk to somebody. I talked to a lady down in at the Blind Pig down in Barstown the other day, and she was telling me the story about how her dad worked at T.W. Samuels and um, all the great stories that she had. I, I talked to my doctor the other day, and her dad works at, at Baghdad Feed out here in Shelby County. And apparently back in the day, um, Baghdad Feed, produced, they gave all the grain that, that a wild turkey needed. They were like wild turkeys, number one um, distributor, I guess, for corn and stuff, or a supplier. And her dad worked there, and she was telling about these stories about how her dad would come home and talked about how Jimmy Russell was pushing a broom around um, out there at Wild Turkey. That's a story that's going to be lost pretty soon here if if we don't record it. And to me, that's what it's about is hearing that story and hear to us, you know, on the bourbon road is seeing where other people's bur- bourbon roads lead yeah. to. And yeah. just like meeting you two guys and, and hearing your story. And I think it's great. You know, I just love it. So, I, whenever so, I found out Jim asked me to be on the, on the podcast and stuff, I'd never even heard of a podcast. <laughs> I, my kids had said, Hey, Hey dad, uh, listen to this podcast. And I'd say, Oh, I might listen to that. And it really was nothing I would be interested in because they're young, a lot younger. And, then Jim's like, hey, listen to this bourbon podcast. And I just wanted to educate myself more on bourbon. You know, I had a somewhat good collection of bourbon. And I say I, I still have an all right bourbon collection. Nothing like Jim has, I don't think. Um, I don't have any unicorns on my shelf or anything like that. Nothing I'm going to chase. Um, every once in a while, I ask, uh, I might find a unicorn in my mind. But it's it's probably not a unicorn on anybody else's mind. Like, Finding a glass bottle of T.W. Samuels. Yeah. You know, is that anybody's <laughs> unicorn except for Mike Hyatt's? Probably not. Or Jim went out to Denver lately and or to Colorado, and I said, hey, I need you to stop by this 1350 distillery and pick me a bottle up of this Guardian bourbon. And um, sure enough, my brother there, he brought me back a bottle of bourbon. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. I, <clears throat> I, I called up the distillery, and they were closed, but they answered the phone. And I was wow. like, oh, man, I really need a bottle of your stuff. I got a buddy back in, you know, in Louisville that really wants your stuff. And he said, well, I'll open up for you. So they opened up the distillery and we yeah. got there and they showed us around. They gave us a free pour yeah, and uh, gave me a bottle. And he said, your buddy must be in the 
Coast Guard, right? I said, how did you know that? He said, because this bourbon's a Coast Guard bourbon. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I actually ran into somebody. Well, not ran into. I was at Wild Turkey uh, on late Labor Day. And uh, me and my wife went up there before we went to my parents' house. I'm from Frankfurt. And uh, we stopped in and had Bo doing the tour for us. And I, I kind of let him do his tour or whatever for a while. And it was a packed tour. I mean, maximum capacity on that bus. I don't know how many that bus holds. But uh, I said to him, I said, hey, are you Bo from Montgomery Gentry? And he looked at me and he said, how the hell do you know that? And I was like, I listened to the Bourbon Road podcast uh, recently. And you were just a guest on there. I love the show. And he was like, wow, I didn't, you know, he's like, I didn't, you're the first person that ever asked me that, but I guess the show was pretty new at the time. But yeah, I mean, just me making those, can I sit and talk with him after our tour for a while? He's a great guy. Yeah. And um, those are the connections that I care more about yeah. and with whiskey and bourbon than, than, um, you know, anything else. Yeah, but he's a great guy. I mean, he's yeah. a great guy. I mean, you should have him on sometime. He's a, he's a we'd blast. Love to, we'd love to. Man, yeah. does he have some stories just about wild turkey? But I mean, that guy's kind of got, double realm there you know he's yeah he's got wild turkey stories with jimmy russell and stuff but he also has man it's just some great stories he told us about montgomery gentry and uh you know you don't hear some of that inside stuff yeah. um and sitting in room with him and just he he's a good old kentucky boy lives right right down the road from us and uh i love that all right so i'm getting kind of low on this kentucky owl any last uh thoughts on this guys now what what how how old is that um, it is 11 years. So I would assume since this is a batch that, uh, that, that, uh, Dixon has uh, blended that that would be the youngest barrel. So there may be some older stuff in there. It's a winner in my book. I yeah, like it. It's really good. It's really good. If you're a rye fan, this is a good solid rye. Yeah. He did a good job with this one. Now I've heard that, uh, now I've had batch one and batch two and personally I prefer one over two and this is, this is one. But I've heard from those that have had batch three that it's the best of the three. So, and the hunts on right. The hunts on. Yeah. I, I I really need to have all three in a row. You know, maybe. Are you Are you a hunter? Do you consider yourself a hunter? No, but if I if there's a particular bourbon I want, I'll see if I can find it. But yeah, I mean, my days of emptying my wallet on bourbon it's kind of over. I mean, I've been there and done that. Um, I've got a pretty good collection now. It's not huge. It's sub 100 bottles but um i think if i uh if i see something i really want i'll get it other than that I, i'm pretty good about skipping stuff yeah yeah i think i'm at about a 70 right now is what i last count and uh i mean i my wife thinks that that's ridiculous but yeah doesn't everybody's wife yeah yeah well i mean well when we got to, when we first met each other she told me she was uh she was a bourbon lover and i was like oh man she's awesome she likes to hang she's a good she, catch yeah she's funny she likes to <laughs> drink bourbon and whatever. it was a total lie she she every time she drinks it now she just yeah she's not she's not into it we go but it's great to take her on the tours that we go on because she's like slides her glasses over to me and then what, what about your wife scott she's a bourbon drinker uh, she used to be a bourbon drinker, but it was always like bourbon and Coke and things like that. Um, nothing wrong with that. Now she still drinks the occasional bourbon and Coke, more or less wines. Uh, she's not drinking right now, uh, because she's actually pregnant. We're expecting later this year. So man. appreciate that. So, uh, she is abstaining from all alcohol, which Probably makes this uh, me talking about bourbon all the time a little bit more difficult for her. Oh yeah, uh, 
I, I know my wife, she's she's not a bourbon drinker. Um, but the other day I saw her, she she's swigging from a bottle of Weller's like champion. <laughs> I was like, what, what, who's that woman? <laughs> Where'd you come from? Yeah. 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 Well, my, my wife likes larceny and uh, but she normally has it with Coke or Diet Coke. And uh, but she likes to drink Eagle Rare, like a store pick Eagle Rare, uh, particularly the um, the one from Silver Dollar. She's got a couple bottles over there. Uh, Eagle Rare, neat. So she likes that. But she's been taking a little bit of a hiatus from bourbon lately because, you know, summertime, it's beer time. And she loves her uh, cream ale and. and uh, Lining Kugel. Yeah. Summer yeah she sandy. loves wheat beers. She really likes wheat beers a lot. Bra- so. Braxton. Braxton Brewery. Uh, she, yeah, there was some Braxton Tropic- Nitro or Tropical and what? What was it? Tropical something? I want to say Tropical Thunder, but I don't think that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a good one. All right, guys. Well, I'm I'm out. How about you? Let's fill her up. Let's do it. Let's do it. We would like to thank Tommy and Gwen Mitchell from Logheads Home Center for supporting this episode of The Bourbon Road. Logheads Home Center, nestled in the hills of Kentucky, is an industry leader in building handcrafted rustic furniture. Family owned and operated, they take pride in offering only the very best for their customers. The Logheads, and that's what they like to call themselves, are skilled woodcrafters who are passionate about creating rustic furniture for people who appreciate the beauty of natural wood. Owners Tommy and Gwen don't just sell the rustic lifestyle, they live it. And you can be sure that Logheads Furniture will always be handcrafted in Kentucky by artisans who embrace the simple way of life. Logheads Rustic Furniture is made from northern white cedar, a sustainable wood that's naturally rot and termite resistant. Its beauty and quality will add warmth to your earthy lifestyle for generations to come. Be sure to check out everything they have to offer at logheadshomecenter.com. And while you're at it, give Tommy and Gwen a shout on Facebook or Instagram at Logheads Home Center. got uh our third rye whiskey of the night and for this selection we've got Willet, the family estate small batch rye uh from Willet distillery in barstown kentucky this one's a four year uh it's 111.8 proof so as as you can probably tell from the progression of the show we are going up in proof uh with new you know with each rye whiskey isn't that kind of the way you're supposed to do a tasting that's what they say right i mean you know you shouldn't go down in proof i think it, it well these are not the, all that different though are they yeah they're they're pretty much well wh- what do we say they're all cast strengths so i think they're all coming out 108 to 115 i think is what we're thinking I think when we hit the end of the line there, it's something crazy, but other than <laughs> 140 proof. No. So what, what's it? It said Willard Estate on there. Yeah. So it's the, the Willet family estate bottled small batch rye. Man, once again with that branding and stuff. But when you go out to Willet, um, you'll see it. It definitely looks like an estate. I, w- I don't even know what you'd call that house out there that, that everything's in. I don't know if it's like a colonial house, but you almost get this this grand Louisiana feel down there of a plantation and stuff. See, I always thought that Willet was a lot bigger than it is. 
not very big at all out there. Very yeah, small place. And, and I don't know if it's just me thinking that it was a Bardstown distillery or what, but I always thought it was this, you know, major player in the bourbon industry. And then probably the past six months, I've kind of found out it's kind of a newer distillery that's re going through a rebirth with a new family. And uh, now these guys have um, some mad skills when it comes to selecting barrels. They've been putting out some estate bottles that mm-hmm. are just knock your socks off. And they've gained a lot of fame in the secondary market with some of their purple tops, I guess. Right. Yeah. Have you had any? I haven't had any. <laughs> Honestly, I haven't had any of their very expensive, you know, yeah. high, highly desirable stuff. You've got some over there on the purple, <clears throat> purple tops on the shelf over there, though. But they're bourbons. They're not rice. Well, there's, hey, there's nothing wrong with bourbon. Aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> we're changing our names we're here. the bourbon road right and the right? bourbon road and the bourbon lens right that that's what it's all about is bourbon i did find it a little interesting <laughs> you asked you wanted to do a rye episode yeah it was kind of funny because you guys made an instagram post about uh what's your favorite this this bottle yeah yeah, yeah what, what's your what, did you say cast strength rye or did you say just rye or uh, I don't remember what I said. I think I said it's a, it I enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it the times that I've had it. Like I said, that's my first bottle that I've owned. I've had a couple from some friends and I've always enjoyed it. But, you know, like we were talking earlier, I don't drink a ton of rise and uh, had to really dig. I don't think I had five cast strength rise sitting on the bar. It was, it was so funny because I, I, I went in and I was like, okay, I need to really tell Scott and Michael kind of what my idea is for the show. So I'll send him a, I'll send him a quick message and with my idea. My idea was just a, just a kind of journey through some cast strength rise. So I sent you the message and then I went on to, to look at your feed or my feed. And I, I see a post there from you on a, on a cast strength rye. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is crazy. He's <laughs> Tro- going to think trolling, I saw- <laughs> trolling. Yeah. Just, just, yeah. So, so Mike, are you going to be changing your, Opinions? Are you switching from wheats to rye? Probably not. I'm, you know, that wheat, that wheats. You can, you can drink with dessert. That's that's how good it is. And I bet you, all three of you, if I put a bottle of Pappies down in front of you, and you had all those ryes to pick from, what are you going to drink first? And we can see it. Yeah, we're going to go with the Pappy. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, blind. I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think it's a big jump from from bourbons to ryes. I mean, just the spiciness that you're not you're not prepared for in a lot of bourbons, uh, even high rye bourbons. I don't think have that much peppery spice to it. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I find that high rye bourbons have a little bit more fruitiness, you know, like cherry notes, things like that. Uh, but jumping over to a rye, it can be a big jump. I think I drink it and stuff. It's just, it's not my jam. You know, I have, I have it in my house for a guest, I guess. And if I have somebody come over and they're like, oh, I'm not a bourbon drinker. I want to have some other whiskeys. If they're a whiskey drinker that they can drink and stuff. I've, I've got a couple of Canadian whiskeys at home and um, I've got some scotch <laughs> hidden, hidden away. <laughs> um, but I want to have something for everybody. And that's why I have a rye on the shelves. So, Somebody can enjoy themselves over at my house. Some old Overholt. I wonder about all that. That's that's Jim's jam. That came in last place on our twenty dollar bottles. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we got we got cheated on that thing right there. I tell you that. Did you all enjoy the twenty dollar episode? I think 
We did one almost, released one almost at the same time you guys did. I think it was just a coincidence. You guys did one about the same time. <laughs> We're usually a couple of weeks behind, you know. I don't know how many episodes you guys have pre-recorded. but We're a couple. Yeah, it's usually a couple, so you don't get into trouble. And, and yeah, it was really amazing. You guys released one. We released one. I was like, oh, gee. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I but we a, went two totally different opposite, you know, two totally different directions, I think. Because what, we have Evan Williams, 1783, and Ezra Brooks? Yeah. But our challenge was a little different than your all's. It, ours had to be something that you hadn't had before. So we had to go, and it couldn't be tax, It couldn't be over $20 after tax. Had to be something you've never had before. And it was tough. It was yeah. tough for me. <laughs> we, we, well, I was a guest on that one. So Jim's, Jim and Randy had made up the rules and stuff, and I wish they would have said that you'd never had to have it before because Jim had already had his. And Randy definitely had his underneath his counter. So for a long time. For a long time. <laughs> yeah. So what what me and Brian both brought, we didn't know a whole lot about it. I did a little bit of research about fighting cock and, you know, what it was all about and stuff. And I don't think I'd ever thought about picking that bottle up because it kind of looks to me like a wine bottle, you know, like you're driving down the interstate and there's a winery off and your wife's like, Hey, stop at that winery right there. And they got a funny little label and stuff on it. And the wine's just all right. Boone's farm. Yeah. But now every time I go into a bar, I see that fighting cock up on the shelf though. Did you like it? I thought it was all right. It was all right. Bourbon. I don't know if I'm allowed to tell this story on the podcast, but, um, the only memory I have of fighting cock was in college and it wasn't even me drinking it. Uh, guy drink fifth of it or whatever. And uh, one of our fraternity brothers, and he had another fraternity brother. He said, "I can, my head can break this bottle no problem." <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, the guy hit him in the head with it, and split his head wide open. Oh, had to go man. to the hospital. But that's that's the only memory I, I have of fighting. It's cock. a very sturdy bottle. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. I don't know. If that's a great memory. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you can cut that out. I don't know if Heaven Hill would would. Uh, I don't know if they'd like that story or not. <laughs> Head splitter bourbon, right? Head splitter bourbon. Oh, hey, yeah. they, the quality department would love it. The bottle, <laughs> the bottle stands up. Well, I think it came out direct response to Wild Turkey 101. It did. They 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 were trying to, you know, compete with them, but I don't know if that their label and everything competed yeah, with it. You I know, just, guys, I'll be honest with you. Those clear plastic labels, yeah, you know, no, that's they, they just they just don't they don't hit home with me. Yeah, as as little um, as little money that they spend on a lot of their other sub labels, seems like they could class that one up just a little of bit. Of course, Heaven Hill's all over the place with their graphic design. I mean, it's just like one product. And they've got a lot of products. I yeah, mean, it's hard to keep up with all their products. But there's no consistency at all in their designs. So. Yeah, but there's consistency in their mash bills, which I find that's true. Interesting. <laughs> Everything goes in the in the barrel at the same thing. Maybe that, that they just know it's good juice in the bottle, and they don't care what the bottle looks like. You know, whatever how it's going to sell is how it's going to sell. You know. Well, maybe that's how they have to sell it because you know if they're putting everything in with the same mash bill, maybe they need to have those variances and and how they market the product. Well, let's let's here, talk about this will it a little bit. What do you think? Let's get to it. I almost I might need another pour. Yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, it's pretty darn good. Are you guys able to to pick out a Willet when you taste it? I mean, like, really? <sighs> to be honest, I don't drink a lot of Willet. Yeah. I, uh, it's just, I have, do you? I, were, I don't. Were you, you were at my bachelor party, right? Yeah. We did have some Willet pot still at my bachelor party. I yes, remember that and I, distinctive bottle. 
Yes. And I, I've had a bottle and it sat there forever. And I think I gave it away to somebody. Just, it wasn't my thing. He didn't, yeah. he didn't hit you in the head with that <laughs> bottle, did he? I think it would have broke. I mean, it's, it's a pretty elegant looking bottle. Yeah. We were at a bar one night. Mike said, I want you to go, go to the restroom. When you come back, I want to have a pour for you. <laughs> Remember that, Mike? I do. He's, I was like, man, this man's cheating me. He's cheating me. <laughs> he picked out. I, I almost thought he could pick out the Rick, the Rick house it was in. It was funny because they had like, I don't know, they had about six, what, about 60 bourbons on the shelf? Yeah. And I came back and there was a pour on the bar. And he said, I want you to see if you can figure out what this is. And I picked it up. I said, let's will it. <laughs> Do you, are you a fan of will it? Um, I mean, it's not my choice, but it's very distinct to me. I mean, I can pick it out very easily yeah. on the nose. I don't even have to taste it. So is it that mintiness that you get? Yeah, I think it's the mintiness. It's the brightness of the of the rye. I, I, mean, I, just, I just get it right away. And I said, it's 100 proof. I said, it's um, it's probably four to six years old. I said, I think it's that Bardstown up there. Mm, yeah. <laughs> He had me spot on. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah. But it, in order to choose it, I had to look up and see what they had first, you know. So I don't get full credit on choose on picking out what it is. So yeah. it was the old Bardstown. The old Bardstown bottle and bond. Yeah. Yeah. That one grew on me. Uh, first time I ever had it, I think I got it probably about the same time we started the podcast recording. I think maybe I talked about it on a couple early episodes that we did. Maybe some that we didn't record or didn't end up releasing, but. First time I tried it, really, it was just too grassy for me. Yeah. Uh, but after that, it, it grew on me a little bit more. Um, I can see where somebody would drink that and maybe get another bottle and get another bottle and get another bottle and say, this is my bourbon. It's just not my thing. It's just not. I mean, I kind of like the pure Kentucky. You ever had that one? Mm -mm. The old vintage one. I've and seen the, it on the shelves. I haven't had it. You know, I, I kind of like the... Um, Oh, what is that? The the one that's got that peanut butter note to it. Is it uh, Rowan's Creek or the uh, other one? The other one, not Rowan's Creek. Um, Noah's Mill. Noah's Mill. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Noah's Mill to me is like a uh, is like a Willet with a dash of peanut butter. Mm. And I, I do. I, I now that you say that, I do have that bottle sitting on my shelf. Do you? Yeah, it's been there for a while. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, not not my jam. Yeah, but you know, everybody's got their thing. I tend to lean a little bit more towards uh, some some other bourbons, but yeah. So, so what? That's uh, what is your thing? Well, I mean, my daily drinker. So my daily drinker, honestly, when I'm not trying to consume from my collection, is Wild Turkey 101. Um, my bottled and bond, my preferred bottled and bond, is um, either JTS Brown or. Um, Oh boy, here we go. Yeah, you know, Mike might as well leave. He's the other guy that's <laughs> buying all the bottles uh, from Total Wine. Yeah, I mean, I've got I've got two cases of uh, Heaven Hill six years sitting in the closet there, and I just keep grabbing them from time to time. I love those; they're good. But I like the Evan Williams bottle and bond too. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. that's a good one. Yeah, mm. I would agree on that one. That's a good sub twenty dollar bottle. Yeah, and and I've got a case or so of the. Um, Henry McKenna bottle and bond. Every now and then you can find it for a decent price, and when you do, you should go ahead and grab it up because it's good bourbon. It's good I think stuff. I got three right now, and I found it weird with with Henry McKenna. I can get some really good bottles, and I get some really not yeah. okay bottles. But yeah, I think the last last one we opened was was mediocre. But 
mediocre, huh? <laughs> yeah, I think I wrote a, I wrote a review on Instagram for Henry McKenna bottle. I think it was bottle. I think it was barrel forty four sixteen, and it was just absolutely unreal. I mean, I've had some good ones and bad ones, like you say, and I had this one forty four sixteen barrel, and I said, you know what? With a Henry McKenna bottle and bond, you get some that are good, you get some that are great, you get some that'll just bring tears to your eyes, and <laughs> and that was it. It was absolutely amazing. And you know what? The funny thing is, is when you look at the picture of the uh, bottle that took the San Francisco competition mm-hmm. that won, it was 4412 or something. And I had 4416. So it's probably the same Rick or something yeah. like that. I don't know. Did you, you finish know, that one? I still got another bottle of the yeah. 4416. Yeah, I haven't opened it yet. But. So it was probably the same season for, for sure. Definitely and, December uh, of 20, whatever. I don't know. December, what would that have been? 2017, 2016, 2017? Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I've got one more bottle and I will open it at some point. We'll have you guys over. That'll be fun. That would be fun. It's pretty amazing. So, so Mike, what, what's yours? Well, I like that Weller, you know, Weller Special Reserve. I, I'll, I'll drink it all day long. But uh, lately, I've, uh, I've been drinking on some Woodford weeded whiskey. I, I uh, saw that you it. all really enjoyed that one. Oh, I, I think it's great. You know, I, I think almost anybody could drink some of that with dessert or um, before dinner or even after dinner, anytime. Drink it for lunch. I mean, like, anytime. I don't think that's wrong with it. <laughs> there was an article in uh, Bloomberg. I think it came out today or yesterday. It said, here come the wheat whiskeys. So I don't know if that's going to be. I think Woodford made that to kind of round out their their line, and that's going to be something they're going to carry from now on, um, just to because now they got a malted whiskey, and um, so it'll be something they have. They got a rye, they they got a little bit of something for everyone. Yeah, they're coming out with a lot of a lot of different products now. Oh, yeah. A lot of them are gift shopped only, though, right? Well, you go over there to gift shop and. They, they've got it stocked. <laughs> no, they, unlike some gift shops, I think their gift shop, they're always stocked up on, on almost everything. I went, I went out there one time for the the double double and they were like, yeah, come back next year. Yeah. <laughs> so are you going to get the, uh, with the Weller, uh, the Weller foolproof? I'm going to try. Try. Um, I got, my, I got my eye on two play different places. Uh, might have to drive a little bit to get one, but I think it, it, It'll be worth it and stuff. Yeah. And so I did a I did a Weller foolproof pick. So we've got one coming in probably the next two weeks. Wow! And uh, it'll be coming in here in Simpsonville. So you guys keep your eyes open. But uh, we just uh, Jason, the guy from the Mash and Drum, mm-hmm. he is designing the label for this one. So I did the label on the last couple of barrel picks we did, but he's doing the label on this one. So well, Jim, we're we're. we're Where's everybody going to be able to pick that up at? What, what's the liquor <laughs> store? Um, well, they've got two stores in Louisville. They Well, I don't say Louisville, but Louisville area. One is in Simpsonville, Kentucky, which is where we're at right now. There's a liquor outlet here. They've got that. And then the liquor outlet in uh, on Breckenridge down near Hikes Point. So in that general area. So they'll have some there. So, I, I you know, I don't know how many bottles you get out of a barrel. A couple of hundred, right? Yeah. Foolproof, maybe a little bit less. Yeah, uh, it's a seven-year-old barrel. It was really salty, kind of savory. It's going to be a good one. Mm. 
And uh, yeah, so next couple of weeks, keep your eyes open. I saw my. I think we should cut this part out of the uh, episode. No, you think so? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. These guys, these guys, I do a lot of barrel picks with them, so they kind of like the fact that I talk about them sometimes yeah. from time to time. So I don't think there's nothing wrong with that. If it, people are going to go down there, you got your chasers that are going to go chase it and stuff. And I think the nice thing now is that some liquor stores are saying, "Hey, you're only going to get one of these," yep. you know. That doesn't mean you can't bring in your friend or your your wife or something and get two bottles. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I like to do that down there at Old Buffalo Trace for some plantains. What about what about you, Michael? What's what's you? What are you drinking on on a daily basis? Oh, that kind of like my personality kind of changes throughout minute, what, what minute. week it is. Yeah, um, as Scott said to you earlier, uh, I've been on a one hundred and one kick as of late and told you earlier we got to go to wild turkey and um got to meet jimmy russell that was a pretty cool experience and oh yeah that guy I, you, i'm sure you've met him before but that was my first experience meeting him and that guy is uh he's something else I guess the memory on him is ridiculous i just I was like hey mr russell can i get a picture with you and he said sure and he said hey where are you from and i said frankfurt and he said where's that and i just kind of laughed at him thinking you know yeah. buffalo trace is there he's just he's just ribbing me and he's like, no, seriously, where are you from? And I was like, uh, West End of Frankfurt by Western Hills. He's like, who's your family? And I said, uh, you know, gave him my dad's name, said he, you know, opened the, the high school there that I went to. I grew up right by the high school. He said, oh, yeah, I know I know him. And uh, he's like, your uncle Gary, you know, he lives right here in Lawrenceburg. Goes, I see him every other week. <laughs> and uh, I never knew that about my family. Never knew they knew him. And uh, that was a cool experience. And uh, you can't beat, like you said earlier, you can't beat 101 for right. the price. Uh you know, we had, a, like I said earlier, we had a, a, a husband and his wife that came in town. They met us. We, we were out in downtown Louisville bars and the prices were all over, all over the place. Sure. And uh, I didn't want to be that person to just say, hey, how much is this? How much is this? How much is this? I said, give me, give me a, give me a drink of Wild, wild Turkey 101. And it's, it's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, you want to be safe. You want to really be safe when you're out and mm-hmm. not get slammed with a $150 a poor drink. Yep. Just order the 101 solid every time exactly um other than that uh, elijah craig is one of my one of my everyday go-tos um you like the barrel proof too i do i did not enjoy i had a bottle of the c918 yeah i did not like that one yeah and um i had the b518 which was really good um i've tried his uh a19 and um or a one one nine, one, one, nine. Yeah. yeah, the shears. I tried that one; that was pretty good. And I have an uh, another A uh, that Jake, our other member of the podcast who couldn't be here tonight, uh, picked up for me when he was out of town last week. So, I'm going to look forward to trying that one. They're always interesting to try. You you don't always get what you want. Some are better than others. And- yeah, for sure. And that's kind of the beauty about whiskey. And you know, I know we were talking earlier about our or. Uh, origination into into the whiskey industry and everything and um i know we're not going to open it tonight but i brought a bottle of the huber's rye whiskey and yeah. a couple it's probably three years ago at this point now and we were sitting out at huber's winery in in southern indiana and hanging out and ted huber comes out and he's like hey y'all want to go check out my whiskey sure yeah let's go <laughs> check it out takes the thief around and pulls all these different barrels out and that was my first experience getting to taste all the different barrels and all the different flavors and the profiles and how some barrels taste better than others. And 
and that really kind of started my journey into whiskey. Um, and then I just kind of started saying, doing YouTube videos and, and f- seeing what was good and what was out there and what could I, what could I could, I could find. So Scott, we know that you're drinking the JTS Brown, but there's gotta be others. Yeah. I there's think- not. <laughs> <laughs> There's really not. I took a picture of uh, my bar the other night and somebody was ribbing me for, uh, I had what, four bottles of JTS Brown sitting on the bar. It was just because I had just purchased them. So I'd put them up on the bar and then, uh, but yeah, I mean, a few years back I I would, I would stock benchmark uh, from Buffalo Trace. I I really enjoyed that. Uh, But it seems like when they started putting out all the, uh, E.H. Taylor's and all the other stuff, and I don't know what it was, but it seemed like the quality just really dropped off on it. I mean, I know it's a budget bourbon, but that's my thing. Some of those stocks, maybe the older stocks that went into that no longer went in. Yeah, yeah. So I stopped purchasing that, and then I started picking up the green label um, Heaven Hill, the six-year. Yeah. And I have a sneaking suspicion that that will be disappearing very, very soon. Uh, so I'm slowly putting a few bottles of that back, um, as we've kind of seen with Heaven Hill, which I love Heaven Hill across the board, but I don't like what they're doing with some of their uh, some of their budget uh, categories. Um, but yeah, JTS Brown is my go-to. Yeah, it's good stuff. I think I got about a gallon and a half here at the house. So of course I got a party coming up tomorrow, but so I needed some bourbon for that. But well, that's that's your bourbon though. That's what you buy, and that's. There's nothing wrong with that, right? That's mm-hmm. what you you like to do, and you know, I, a couple of my buddies they were like, "I can't believe you have that on the shelf, or you have that in your liquor cabinet." And I'm like, "You know, it's my house. I'm I'm the one that's buying it. Hey, you want to bring a bottle over to my house? <laughs> I'll drink bring it. it. <laughs> bring yeah. some pappies over to my house. Yeah. Big Chief will I'll I'll tank it down for you." <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is, like most people are. I think we've talked about this on a couple of episodes. It's bottle shaming, right? It's oh yeah. It's it's pathetic that it it exists, but some people just put bottles out there just to show them off. And it's like, are you drinking that? No, you know, I drink JTS Brown. I know what it tastes like. I know it's good. I can put that in a blind tasting with anything, and I know it's going to stand up. Now, is it gonna is it gonna knock your socks off? You know, compared to a hundred and fifty two hundred dollar bottle of bourbon. Probably not, but then again, it's probably half or a quarter of the age, but I know what to expect. It's a hundred proof. It's four years old at least. Uh, It's got a good dark color and it doesn't taste a whole lot like, you know, young whiskey. So you put it in a decanter, you're everybody's hero. You know, (laughs) that's the way it works. Yeah. And, And that's the thing is like, I used to, I used to keep a decanter of benchmark. Then I switched to heaven hill six year and now. I just buy jugs of JTS Brown and just keep it in the jug. It's just easier. There you go. You're bourbon your way, my friend. Yeah. That's what you all said on the very first episode, I believe. Randy said, drink your bourbon your way and don't worry about what everybody else thinks. Exactly. Yep. So we we all done with Willet here? I don't think we even talked about it a whole lot. (laughs) Well, you know what? We kind of got sidetracked, but I I did drink it all. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's very. It uh, It is gone. Yeah. Except for mine. I mean, this is a rye, so it's very floral, though. I would, yeah. I would agree with that. Very yeah. floral. Got a lot of a lot of mint, a lot of uh, not grass, because I always equate grass to like uh, Tennessee whiskeys. Surprisingly, it's not so peppery on the back end as I thought it would be. I, I agree Sweeter. with the, 
the two things that I picked up and you all might disagree, but was the, the floral note and then I, I, like some type of berry. Some type of fruit. It's a, I know Jim was about to say juniper berry from no, the no, tree. No. It, it's a boysenberry. Boys, <laughs> toasted <laughs> boysenberry. Yeah, just <laughs> slightly toasted. Oh, yeah. man. Laying on a cedar plank <laughs> next to a salmon. <laughs> <laughs> I just knew you were about to say mermaid or something. <laughs> All right, guys. You ready to move on to the next one? Let's do it. All right. All right. So we're back now with... Uh, a new rye. And uh, has, has anybody had this before? The Sagamore Spirit Rye? It's no, a new no. one for me. So this is a Maryland rye, but uh, in 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 full transparency, it says that it is distilled in Indiana, bottled in Maryland. So let's just assume for a moment that it's probably coming out of MGP. Uh, but this is a cask strength rye. It's called Sagamore Spirit Rye. And uh, there's no age statement on it, but it is 112.2 proof. Now, 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 does all of our listeners on both podcasts know where in MGP is at? Uh, maybe not. So it's in Lawrenceburg, Indiana there. It's it's right down the, the street from Cincinnati, Ohio. It's right there on the Ohio River. It used um, to be the Seagram's Distillery. Oh, yeah. Many years ago. Humongous place. Right. A lot of a lot of liquors coming out of there. So MGP is producing um, spirits on a regular basis in very high volumes, and putting them in barrels and then marketing them to the world. And I had somebody tell me that no bourbon comes out of the Ohio River, and I was like, I, I'd beg to differ from you. I, I've been down there on the river, and I've, I know where that water's coming from. It's coming straight from that Ohio River. Well, I would venture to say that nobody's just pulling the water out of the river and putting it in a bottle. It's probably getting reverse osmosis or something. Mm, oh, I'm sure, sure. filtered <laughs> a little bit. They always talk about the limestone, but it's really just the Ohio River. No, <laughs> All right. So uh, this is our fourth rye of the night. And we have one more after this, and it's an ultra high proof. This is um, only 112 proof. I feel like I'm on the uh, Hot Wings take. You ever watch that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. They yeah. go up in the. What? No, what's that? What's that called? What's the name of that show? Hot Ones. Hot, hot ones. ones. That's what it is. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They have all kinds of famous people on there eating hot wings, and some of them just. He's can't. trying to ask them normal questions <laughs> while they're eating this like 5 million Scoville. You know, hot wing. It's yeah. some some of them are pretty, pretty yeah. hilarious. Huh. And some of those guys, some of those people, some of them are girls actually. Some of them are champions, though. They really barrel through, don't they? That's, that's those are the non fun ones to watch. Yeah, you, know, yeah. you always want to. You always play the video and skip to the people that are struggling time. to get through pretty sweat, early on. See them beads of sweat rolling off their head. <laughs> yeah, that's that's talking about podcast versus video. Yeah, that's <laughs> perfect. For YouTube video. Yeah. I, I, I think they're like million subscriber level, right? Oh, pretty I'm big. sure I'd imagine. But the nose on this right here, to me, isn't very pleasant. Um, it's got like a bitter fruit to me. Smell. I don't I don't even know what to call I, that. I kind of feel like I'm being set up here and like Jim has part ownership in this this whiskey. No, no, no. No, <laughs> actually, actually. Well, I'm going to agree with Mike. I don't think it's very pleasant. <laughs> No, I'm definitely getting a fruity nose on it. I was turned sure. on to this by uh, Jason. Again, I bring up his name, Jason from the Mash and Drum. He said, you really got to try this. Now, the taste on this, Now, though, the taste is way better than the nose. I, I, out of all the rides we drank tonight, 
This has not a whole lot of pepper on the back end. It's very uh, fruity. I would, I don't know, like a nectarine almost. <laughs> Is this not the fruitiest rye you've ever had? Wow. Yeah. That uh, kind of tastes like a cross between a Twizzlers and like a cinnamon candy. Yeah, that mm. taste lingers with you too, doesn't it? Yeah, I don't know what the fruit is. It's fruit, but I can't like say this fruit or that fruit. It's just fruity, like juicy fruit, kind of. Maybe it's it's odd because I'm not. That's not what I was expecting. I mean, I did get no, uh, fruit on the nose, but it wasn't like Mike said. It's not super pleasant. It was like a like on the nose. I like I said bitter. It's almost like it's gonna be bitter, and then you taste it, and you're like, wow, man. I you know, you guys are talking, and I'm sitting over here drinking, and I'm like, man, this is really good. I don't want to tell Jim that this is good. Slowly but converting to a rye. No, no, no. You're not gonna do all that. But. So, so where can you pick up this this bottle? Uh, I'm trying to think of where I bought it. I think I bought it at total wine i think i got it at total wine here in louisville so i would imagine uh, if it's not there it's at one of the other stores i think it's fairly available i don't know what states they distribute in but kentucky's one of them yay yay so but i I mean this has lasted a while for me i've had this bottle for probably eight or nine months it's been a while should i tell you the fruit that jason picks up on this or do you want me to let Uh. you keep going we're not going to pick it up. I'm kind of hoping somebody else will get that because he keeps telling me he gets it. Don't I get it? I'm like, no, I don't get that. But I don't know. I, I, I'm out of. I, he, he said he gets blueberry. I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't get no blueberry out of this. Yeah, I don't get blueberry either. But <laughs> I don't I, get blueberry pancake, blueberry cereal. I don't get nothing blueberry. I mean, I want to get blueberry because I want to say, yeah, Jason, you're right. But uh, <laughs> that's but that's all of our taste taste right right you know i would maybe say like a peach peach flavor yeah i think it's kind of sweeter than a peach is there something sweeter than a peach like a peach that's kind of sweeter like an apricot is that sweeter maybe that's what i was thinking bitter apricot there's there's a bitter fruit out there is apricot bitter i'm sorry (laughs) well i don't know if it's bitter or not but who's had an apricot in the last 10 years yeah, I'm not out buying <laughs> stone fruit on a daily a, basis. A, a plum, maybe. <laughs> well, I don't know, but I think it's a good. I think it's a good rye. I really enjoyed this. The nose does not match the palate at all. I'll tell you what I really taste just now. I started thinking about it. Is a is a fig Newton cookie. Oh, I could I could get behind that. Yeah. Come on, Jim. You know fig Newton. You you've eaten one in your life. Because it always has that weird little finish at the end yeah. that you just can't put your finger on. Mm-hmm. I get a lot of cinnamon on this one. Scott, you're just gonna stick to that, J. No, Scott's just like, "Where's my JTS brown <laughs> Give me my. What are, we doing? what are we doing here? You guys taking me down this road? What's going on? Here? Wait, wait to the next one. He's gonna be like, "Oh, this is gonna blow your socks off." I'm telling you. I can't well, wait. So if, if any, <laughs> not, I'm already not wearing socks. So if any <laughs> listeners are thinking about tuning out right now, okay, guys, I've got to get to work. Are they still with us? <laughs> I don't know. They should just park in the parking lot and listen to the rest of this because we're going to get into a really high-proof one here in a bit. <laughs> Did we already say the proof on this? Uh, 112.2. And it says, does it, does it really say spring-fed on there? Yeah, I mean, that really bothers me a lot because let let me just give you the facts. This says it's a cask strength rye. All right, straight whiskey. So, and then on the back it says, so they're not cutting it down. That any. it's bottled in 
it's bottled in by Sagamore Spirit in Maryland, but it's distilled in Indiana. But it's cast strength. But it's cast strength. So that means that there is no water added because it's cast strength, right? So, But they say on here, spring-fed Maryland Spirit. Hmm. So how does that work? So six or eight years ago, they, they brought a truck full of spring-fed water up to Lawrenceburg. They distilled a bunch of whiskey, waited six to eight more years. And this is what you get. Well, yeah. I, I was going to break it down a different way. All right, I'm going to give you a little bit of little bit of Coast Guard here, right? A little, <laughs> little bit of river man knowledge. So you got the Mongahela River and you got the Allegheny River. Pennsylvania, right? But, but, well, now the Mon starts, or the Allegheny, let me think about which one's which. The Mon starts up in Maryland, really. And it, its headwaters could be spring spring fed, which feeds into the Ohio River that runs down <laughs> the river right by there. So it could be spring fed. That's a long way. We're reaching. Spring, so you literally fed. could pull water out of New Orleans and say it's spring fed from Maryland, right? Well, you could. We are. <laughs> That's a long way. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well. I think it's about 470 miles from the confluence. <laughs> Where the Ohio starts down there to Cincinnati. Man, confluence. Them some big words, boy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Who knew an old Texas boy would know all that stuff today? Pulling out that Coast Guard vocabulary over there. Well, I tell you what. I have to say this much. If you if you just boil it down and say what's in the bottle, is it good? What do you think? I'm I'm liking the taste way more than I thought I would yeah. based upon the nose. I'd I'd have to agree with you one hundred percent. I'm I'm quite surprised. I like this. Like I said, out of the bourbons or the rides we've drank tonight, um, this is man, this is good. What do you juice. think about the finish, Michael? It's long. Yeah, it's real long, like crazy long, yeah. right? And uh, but it just keeps. It, it's almost like it just keeps getting richer after you already like the the finish just keeps coming and coming and coming, and mm-hmm. it's like uh, it's getting richer and deeper. I, I don't know. It's that oak, that oakiness that you get towards the finish and yeah, Mike's looking at me like I'm crazy, and he's gonna. No, I was gonna say something. We were gonna really have to cut out. <laughs> now, sometimes I was thinking about Las Vegas and all kinds of different things. <laughs> uh, I knew, uh, I knew, that, I knew I was setting myself up for when I said that I'm. I I, I honestly <laughs> believe that this bottle right here, you could take four guys and put them on a patio with this bottle, and it would disappear by the end of the night. I think the nose is what hurts it probably mm-hmm. people if they if they were over a friend's house and they hey let me smell that before i drink it and you smell it and you're like mm, i'm probably not gonna drink that until you take a sip of it and then you're like man that is some good whiskey right there this might be kind of pretentious but put this in a different glass just put it in a rocks glass and just drink it yeah yeah and then you're not really yeah yeah, if, so if you don't know it's a source whiskey and you're not sure about the proof and you don't know that it's this, that, or the other, and you just sip on it for a little bit, once that finish starts just hanging in there. It does. And you just want to keep sipping on it and sipping what, on it. What would you say the finish is? I get a lot of wood and oak on the finish. I do, but that fruit hangs around. I mean, that fruit comes in on the front end. I, I would say it comes on the front in the front and then there's wood and oak on the back. Yeah, a little bit of oak in the back, but I I still I can still taste that fruit on the front of my palate even when I'm enjoying the finish on the back. So So I always look at it as does it dry out my mouth or does it make my mouth water? This one definitely makes the mouth water. 
I'd agree with you there. It's uh, you ever had of a cinnamon toothpick before? I get that right there. None of you, you guys aren't that old. Oh, we're not living right. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I've uh, my childhood has been. That was a that was a flash in the pan back in like the seventies or eighties. I know, but Corky from Peerless doesn't he have a story about the cinnamon toothpick or the? I was about to say the Doobie oh, Brothers. Corky's about our age. Well, my age, not yours. You're younger than me. I, it's I the Almond Brothers. I think the Almond Brothers. Yeah. I have heard the the cinnamon toothpick story from mm-hmm. Corky, and that's yeah. I've never had a cinnamon toothpick, but you're not living. I think, you have I, think one. The, I think the cinnamon toothpick you used to buy them these little paper packs that you could open up and get a cinnamon toothpick out. And, you know, this was I mean, it was probably the 70s. Mike, how old are you? I'm, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm 45 right now. OK, so you but get, I'm thinking of the 80s. That, that was a big thing. And maybe but, it was the 80s. There's a lot of things in the 80s that were a big thing, but uh, cinnamon toothpicks is probably the least harmful. Yeah. I, I wore a whole pair of pants in the 80s with a whole bunch of zippers all over it. So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> man, I can remember eating the little food sticks, those little fa- space food sticks from when the guys went on the moon in 1969. So, I'm way out. <laughs> Out there, <laughs> freeze freeze dried ice cream. Yeah, all the stuff that the astronauts had when they went on the moonwalk. You know, I was probably eight years old at the time. So, <laughs> so maybe maybe you do a f- food pairing with some whiskey and pull out some of that strawberry freeze dried ice cream. So we're gonna move on to that next. That I next think board? we should move on, but I tell you what, my my final note on the Sagamore Rye is that uh, when my bottle is empty. I will search out another. Uh, That's I all agree, there is I to it. I agree with that. I'll be coming over to Jim's house to seek it out. Yep. <laughs> or help him finish this one. <laughs> and I hope on the next one that they're able to find something that where the nose and the palate aren't so disjointed, you know, yeah. because they are. I agree. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. So here for our last pour, we got uh, Jay Mattingly's single barrel straight rye whiskey. It's 129 proof. So. Whoa. So what was the last one we had? It was like 112. 112. We're stepping it up a notch. That's that's a big jump. Yeah. It says they were founded in 1840, 45, 1845. Um, and this is a, it, a pretty beautiful bottle. I, I like it. I like the label on there. I like it. I'd say there's a pretty good chance that we'll have a, we'll have a picture of that on the post on the blog. What do you think? I, I'd hope so. Maybe on the Instagram post too, right? Mike Scott, what do you guys say? I think it's uh, definitely worth a Instagram post or two. Now, I would tell everybody it says one hell of a pick um, on here. It says uh, J. Maddenly, eighteen forty-five, fickle mistress, fickle mistress. Fickle mistress. So this yeah. that's the name of their pick, right? Fickle mistress. That's it. So this is uh, this is the fellow that runs Bourbon Thirty. Uh, out there in Georgetown, right? I think. Yep. And uh, so uh, this is a sourced liquid, no doubt, right? That's what it says. Because he called it a pick, so it must be a sourced. It says distilled in, in Indiana and, and bottled there. It is uh, Bourbon 30 Spirits in Georgetown. So aged four years, but it is some dark juice. It is. I mean, this is the darkest whiskey I've ever seen, I think. But look at the legs on the on the glass. I mean, it doesn't even form. Wow, that really is something. I mean, that is chocolate dark. 
It's almost like it's, stag junior. It looks like tea. Yeah, it looks like a stag junior. I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say it's a little darker. Yeah, probably just a, just a hair darker than a stag. Man, the nose on this, though. It's not what I, you would expect. With What did you say it was, 129? 129. <clears throat> yeah, I don't get a lot of alcohol. How old is it? It says four years. I, that's what's shocking to me. I would think this is something like 18 years or something. You know, I don't know. No, is this, this is not a single barrel. This is a blend, right? It does say single barrel. So, Oh, it is single barrel. So, yeah, not a lot of alcohol in the nose, but I definitely get like cocoa powder on it. He even says there's 120 bottles in that barrel. Okay. So this is a fairly rare item. There's not a lot of people out there holding this bottle. I haven't seen it. Have you? Well, obviously I saw it because I You're holding <laughs> I picked it. one up. <laughs> I, I tell you what, I got this at Paradise Liquors there in uh, in Shelbyville. I walked in there and they were like, hey, you, you, you need a bottle of this? And uh, we talked about it for a little bit. And I, I think I, I actually texted Jim and said, hey, what do you know about him? And um. We talked about it for a little bit, and then I walked back in there and, and picked it up. Yeah, so I don't, you know, honestly, there's been a lot of talk about Jay Madeley and Bourbon 30 and everything. I don't want to get into all of that. I know there's been some controversy related to the distillery, but I don't have any firsthand knowledge in any of that. And a lot of times I just kind of fall back to what's in the bottle, you know, what's it mm-hmm. taste like. Well, looking at the bottle across the way, I can't see through it. You wonder how a bourbon that's four years old can be that dark. I mean, honestly, that is, uh, yeah, you can't see through the bottle, can you? I mean, you almost can't see through the Glencairn. But it does. Have you tried it yet? No. I've just been smelling it. Let's do it. Cheers. 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 I get like a syrup. Yeah. I mean, that is bold and rich yeah. and thick and syrupy. I mean, this reminds me a lot of um, an old Carter, um, an older old Carter, like the 12 year or maybe even older. It's hot on that back end now. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it's that hot. I get I, a little I'm bit kind of pepper on the this. back. Yeah. I'm, are you guys really picking up that like cocoa kind of? I'm just getting maple, like a rich maple syrup. Hershey's chocolate syrup mixed with a little bit of caramel. Slight. Yeah. I mean, this is um, very rich and um, it's not savory, but it's um, oaky. It's it oaky. yeah, it's oaky. It's um, it it doesn't have a coffee flavor, but it reminds me of coffee for sure. Scott's got the water out. <laughs> Get a fresh, uh, fresh taste of this. So I'm wondering, really, we talked about how dark it is. I know we've talked about a lot about uh, barrel placement in a lot of our past episodes about where it is in the rick house and things like that. So I'm wondering if this one maybe aged a little bit more rapidly because it was at the top of, you know, top of the warehouse. So that could could be it. A lot of the water got pulled out of the barrel, especially for 120 barrels or bottles, 120 bottles for, for a barrel. It seems like a short barrel. 
Um, yeah, that would be short. Yeah. So, so Jim, what was the controversy behind him and his and his bourbon? Well, you know, I don't, I don't have any first first hand knowledge. I just know that there were some people who were concerned about his techniques used in the distillery related to you know moving liquids in trash cans or whatever. Um whether or not flavorings were being used, those kind of things. But um, honestly, you know, I don't want to try the guy on the episode here. I think that, you know, um, he's been a guest on a couple of episodes where he's tried to defend his position and what he did. Uh, you know, I have uh, in my catering company, I, I use five gallon paint buckets from Lowe's because they're food. You can buy them. There's a food grade bucket, you know, it, they're, they're made by for that. So it even stays that on the label that you can use it for that. So I, I wouldn't begrudge the guy because he did that, you know, and I'd, I'd like to try to get him on here and talk to him and see what he, what his thoughts are. And, yeah. I mean, I mean, if it's a single barrel, is it really going to be spending that much time in a, a food grade plastic container anyway was that ever confirmed though i I thought he denied those claims well i don't i don't know that what he uses to move liquids around in his distillery i'm not sure which podcast he was on he was on another podcast where they asked him those questions and he was i think he might have denied that they were any kind of used containers yeah but they were new that you know the containers he used were new i've been to many distilleries and seen those totes Mm mm-hmm they all store their liquids in those totes. That's pretty common. Uh-huh. Um, if you're sub 200 gallon, then you're going to be in something smaller than a tote. So I honestly, you know, if somebody has information that says he's been making additions to it using additives or flavorings, that's that's a different story. story. Yeah. yeah, it's a different story. But uh, I can tell you this. When I taste this, it's bold, rich, thick bourbon i mean it's just um whiskey yeah whiskey there's no doubt that's some whiskey yeah that's not that's not bourbon that's right (laughs) well hey i mean it got big mike to to buy it so the 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 weeded guy he brought out the big hit the big hitter (laughs) hitter. (laughs) well (laughs) they call me big chief for a reason you know (laughs) um i i like it me and jim opened up over my house one night i said let's 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 open this up and let's try it not the cheapest bottle to buy. I'll tell you that. Um, he's proud of his stuff. And I think rightly so, right? Yeah. He, uh, everybody has their, their jam. And, um, I bought it just so I could have a nice bottle of rye whiskey to give to friends and say, Hey, I want you to try something pretty special. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I need better friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Scott over there. He, he's got that high class. Mm. Class yeah, you bourbon. just need to come over more often. I got the I got the hot dollar stuff. So here's a question for you guys, uh, off Jay Mattingly. But what's so far in your experience with doing podcasting? What's your favorite guest or episode that you all have been able to do so far? Oh my goodness, that's a that's an excellent question. It's hard to say. They're also different because we don't, you know, we do, uh, in addition to dis- people in the industry, distillers, master distillers, um, 
brand ambassadors, people like that. We also interview musicians and authors and, and, you know, people who are outside the industry as well. Um, I probably have had the most fun interviewing Elizabeth McCall from Woodford. I think that was the most fun because yeah. she was, I mean, she was such a great guest. Yeah. She had such a great story and, and she just, um, you know, that was, that was such a blast. We had a fun bow from Montgomery Gentry. Mm-hmm. What that was a, a lot of fun episode. Yeah. That was fun. That was fun. I'd have to say that Pat and Shane out there at uh, Wilderness Trail, and I wasn't on that episode, but I sat in the room with them and um, asked questions before, after, um, and then in the middle of it, talked to them. And those guys just were so transparent into what they were doing. Um, and their story is a real story. There's no, there's no branding behind them. They, they just tell it like it is, and to me, that they're very genuine in what they're doing out there. And then to see two friends um, over the years keep that friendship together and have a successful business. And I hear other people talk about how small they were when they first went out there. And you go out there today, and I don't know how many Rick houses they have on site, but they are they're pumping out some juice, right? Uh was it 200 and some barrels a day or something? 212, I think, is the oh. number they're at. And I think they're going to even probably go up from that. But they're really transparent. And they'll, they'll tell you anything. If you ask them, they, they have nothing to hide. They don't want to hide anything. Um, and then they had some other cool little stories. Um, you know, they, they're rockers. Um, Pat's a biomedical did I say that right? What, no, I mean he's a medical microbiologist or something yeah, like that. <laughs> they, they and you could see the whole time when I'm sitting there, Pat. He's not a big talker. Um, he sat there and you could just see him tearing apart his own product right in front of us. I could just see his mind working. To me, that was super interesting. From more of an outsider looking into them, you know. So while Shane was answering our questions. Pat was sitting there analyzing his bourbon. He was definitely doing that. <laughs> he, he probably was thinking about the other things he had to do on site that day, but they're busy guys and to sit down with us and be honored with that. And Bo, I sat in the room with Bo too. And you know, that guy's a super busy guy uh, touring with a band and stuff. But uh, to me, I think each one of them brings something different. You know, I got to sit, sit down with a uh, big Mo Kaysen from pit masters. Um, and even his story was, to me, was remarkable. And a guy that um, hit that jackpot, you know, just hit the jackpot, kind of like I did with this podcast. I think I hit the jackpot. Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one of these days I'll be a millionaire. What about you guys? You know, think back on some past episodes. What uh, what has been some of your high points? And Well, I'll let Scott answer that first. Yeah, I don't know. I think we've come a long way since uh, we first started this. I know we've kind of done a few pivots along the way. Um, I think some of my my favorites have been the ones where we actually go visit the distillery, um, see see the sights and sounds and and all that that everybody can see, and then kind of come back and, and just chat about it, talk about the whiskey, talk about the products that they're putting out. I think probably rabbit hole might be one of my, one of my favorites. 
I know that I, I enjoy that from just a visual perspective. Cause I know I like, I like to take a lot of photographs and especially doing a lot of, uh, the social media on Instagram and things like that. Um, you know, I particularly enjoy your episodes where you guys go out to the distillery and you do a tour and then you come back and kind of give a summary, you know, give a dis- deconstruction of your day at the distillery. And that's, you know, I, I think a lot of people can, can get enough information from that to make a decision. Do I want to go there? You know, do I want to take the tour? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think we, we try to avoid giving away all the spoilers. Yeah. Too. Um, cause everybody's going to experience something a little bit different on each tour and what they like about certain things, but just, ex, you know, exposing some people to a little bit of the tidbits of what we enjoyed. Um, I know Michter's was another, another great one. Their tour is, is really good tour. Their, their facility is amazing. Um, just they're kind of a sensory experience from top to bottom, which is, is, is great. Uh, talking about that on audio podcast is very difficult, but we try to relay that and, you know, enough to our listeners to where they can get that kind of appetite to go and visit the distilleries. You're also showing everybody that on your social media accounts too, right? You're, you're showing them them photos and um, saying, Hey, this is what you can experience down here in Louisville, Kentucky, down here in the, in the heart of Kentucky. Yeah, absolutely. We try to sprinkle in uh, a lot of the distillery picks. I know that I like to post a lot of those, you know, people like to see bottles, rare bottles of whiskey, rare bottles of bourbon, you know, fancy pictures of, of nice decanters and glassware and things like that. But honestly, I, I enjoy the architecture of, of a lot of uh, the distilleries. I know one of my favorite pieces of going to a distillery is just seeing a lot of the copper stills. I know Vendome Copper uh, makes a lot of the a lot of the copper stills in most every distillery. I think across this, you know, across the U.S. Um, that's one thing that I I enjoy yeah. seeing, especially that it's made in Louisville. Yeah, they they like to keep it here at home. Barrels made here, the stills made here. The whiskey's made here. Yeah. All right, guys. So we have tried um, five different ryes, all cast strength, in a range of about 110 proof to 130 <laughs> proof. Should we call out something that we think stands out? It's our favorite of the five? Yeah, why not? I mean, they're all different, but is there one that stands out to you? Mike, I know you're going to be a little bit different because you're kind of the weeder guy, and we're we're talking rye here. But I think that Maryland rye, to me, the sweetness of it, you know, that was that was pretty spot on. So, are you saying that the Sagamore cast strength rye is your pick? I'd, I'd pick that. Yeah, and and what's the one thing that makes that your your choice for tonight? Maybe that sweetness. You know, it's hard to say anything bad about this Jay Maddenly though. It's a uh, chocolatey goodness yeah michael yeah so i I actually haven't had anything that i didn't like which i'm kind of surprised about i I already said this previously but i don't drink a ton of rise uh this jay mattingly is definitely surprising and that um 
it's I, mean, I don't know it's pretty enjoyable and i like it it's it's like you said it's bold it's got a a rich deep flavor to it and rich deep color but i think i'm gonna go with i think i'm still gonna go with my peerless i got yeah. i got i gotta go with yeah. peerless that, i, I like the peerless brand was good i yeah. like the brand and i don't know the brand loyalty st- still means something to me and i i like what they're doing and I think when you all go and, and meet them, you're gonna you're gonna really love them. Caleb, listen up. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, what about you, man? Yeah, I think I'm gonna have to go with I might have to go with the Peerless. Um, just in terms of pure sweetness and mouthfeel, you know, I'm not a huge rye drinker, so I do appreciate the sweetness of of bourbons and uh, just whiskey in general. I think the the peerless retains a lot of that. There's some good characteristics across across the spectrum, um, but the peerless is most well rounded for me. I think out of all of them, surprisingly, the one I I liked the least was probably the Kentucky Owl. Yeah. And and I think that that one was just a, a bit spicy for me and a little bit high uh, on the ethanol uh, alcohol taste. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. So for me, um, it, it's always hard when it's not blind because I'm I'm a big I'm a big fan of blind tastings. But uh, I would say you know not being blind. I might lean towards the peerless. I, I really think that I agree with you, Scott. I think it was well-rounded. I think it had a little bit of uh, citrus in there. It had that, that peppery spice. It had um, just a hint of conifer evergreen. I, I like to get that in a, in a rye. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't get much like dill, but I got a lot of, uh, you know, that peppercorn. And I think I get that in their bourbon too, that peppery, real peppery finish. Sure. I love that stuff. I mean, that stuff really trips my trigger, I guess is the way to say it. But so I'm going to go, I'm going to go with the peerless. I think I am. Mike, you're the outlier here. <laughs> I, I guess, but I'm not a rye drinker. So <laughs> folks, don't don't, uh, don't listen to me when it comes to this. We, we'll have, if we have a weeded podcast uh, just on weeders, you know, I don't know why people call it weeders. It's like you're a sissy or something. <laughs> but this I, is I bet I such li- a Texas guy comment right weeders, there. Weeders, sissy. <laughs> I, I'd line up 100 guys, and they would all say, I'll drink a bottle of Pappies over anything else. So I'll, I'll stick to that. You know, I'm no sissy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's fair to say that, you know, tonight the Peerless kind of takes the cake. Good job. Caleb, yeah, I think yeah. I think it's been a, a solid pick for us all around. I know we kind of might seem like fanboys at times, but it's always performed well, even in blind tastings for us. I think you know we we actually as a group we looked at probably what twelve cast strength rise. I would agree. Uh, before we started tonight, and then we picked the five that we would taste during the show. So there were a number of, let's say, seven or eight ryes that we didn't taste as part of the show tonight. I kind of like to think that the Wilderness Trail might have done all right. In my opinion, I mean, that's a that's a pretty amazing rye. Yeah, I actually own a bottle. Um, yeah. 
it's actually, I don't even know if it's open, but it's probably still the next price still full. I need to go back to that one. Cause you all have got me thinking wilderness trail is, is the next big thing. Well, I mean, it could be their um, product as it ages each year gets a little bit better. So we've got two rides here right now. One is around a hundred proof. And they kind of, on the episode, they kind of explained, you know, when we interviewed them, why their rye is sub 100 when it was barrel entry proof of 100. How could it go down? They talked about that. But we've got a bottle of 112 sitting here right now, which is uh, pretty special. I mean, it's really good. So their um, their rye are, their rye is pretty amazing and and they vary very much between barrel to barrel so pretty good stuff who knows i mean well uh, let's see they want to let their stock age to six to eight years so no i think they're i mean i clearly think they're doing things the right way and i think they're going to be putting out great products just just like peerless or young brand all right well fellas it's been a blast hasn't it absolutely absolutely this is uh I appreciate you all having us on. This is this is the type of thing that we got into podcasting for is just to, you know, outreach and meet new people and <clears throat> talk to people that have the same type of interest that we do. And it's been a pleasure meeting you guys. Yeah, it's been great. You know, this is Likewise. What, it's kind of what they call a bourbon night. You do you just get together and you open a few bottles and you sit around and you talk about it and it's a lot of fun. So Guys, why don't we take a minute and go around the room and just talk about how people uh, might find us? You know, you guys have got uh, some listeners that might not know about us. We have some listeners that might not know about you. Why don't we just take a minute, go around, you know, talk about, you know, how to get a hold of us? Yeah, so we're the Bourbon Lens. Um, We are found on all social media at Bourbon Lens. Uh, We're also at bourbonlens.com. If you want to send us an email, we're at thebourbonlens at gmail.com. We're made up of three guys. It's Michael, who generally hosts the podcast, Scott, myself, and Jake, who unfortunately couldn't be here tonight because he's traveling out. I believe he's in California right now. And Jake's the one with all the bourbon, right? He's high end bourbon. He's high end bourbon. He's the opposite of me. So he's got the, (laughs) you know, the opposite of JTS Brown. But, uh, yeah, so hopefully this won't be the last time that we uh, can get together, and maybe next time Jake will uh, be able to join us for the for the next podcast. Well, we we kind of wanted to do a bonfire tonight. The idea was to sit around the bonfire and have some bourbon and talk about good times. And uh, it was a hundred degrees out today. <laughs> yeah, it's a little little warm. <laughs> I don't think this rye would have set so well in in the in the campfire. So castric rye. Around a fire on a hundred degree day. I don't know. Yeah. It'll cool you right down. <laughs> Air conditioning in the basement. This sounds perfect. Mike, want to talk about how to get a hold of us? So you can find us on the uh, bourbonroad.com or on Instagram, the bourbon road at the bourbon road or on Facebook, uh, the bourbon road. We actually have a, a, a closed group on there, the bourbon roadies, or you can find myself at one big chief. Um, One big chief. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm Jay Shannon, 63, and I didn't mean to whistle there, but good show. Great show. Yeah. All right. Appreciate you having us. Cheers. A lot of fun. Cheers. Cheers. We 
do appreciate all of our listeners, and we'd like to thank you for taking time out of your day to hang out with us here on the Bourbon Road. We hope you enjoyed today's show, and if so, we would appreciate if you'd subscribe and rate us a five-star with a review on iTunes. Make sure you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Bourbon Road. That way you'll be kept in the loop on all the Bourbon Road happenings. You can also visit our website at thebourbonroad.com to read our blog, listen to the show, or reach out to us directly. We always welcome comments or suggestions. And if you have an idea for a particular guest or topic, be sure to let us know. And again, thanks for hanging out with us.